think these are extreme times in our society and economy, healthcare, and politics as well. I believe some of our saving grace and silver lining in this moment is really looking at our local community. How physical therapists are again advocating for their patients and their providers. I'm seeing physical therapists and PT assistants getting involved with innovative practices, including telehealth and e-visits, and doing it the right way. And I'm very proud of our association supporting us in that effort. So thank you so much, and please stay well. Really important episode today. On the tip of everybody's tongue is telehealth. How can you pivot as a physical therapist and start providing telehealth to your patients? Well, the resource, the resource from the American Physical Therapy Association, thinking about providing telehealth, their top 10 to-do list, what you need to be doing and what you need to know is available now on APTA's blog. This is a small fraction of why it's so important to be a member of the APTA as a physical therapist or a physical therapist assistant. This guy was so well done that we wanted to share it. So we bring on Alan Lee, who is a leader in telehealth physical therapy practice, and Kara Gaynor, who is a director of regulatory affairs for the American Physical Therapy Association. So their insight into each one of these tips will help you navigate telehealth right now in this ever-changing world. Episode brought to you by Arias Medical Staffing. Find where you can go as a travel physical therapist right now. Many of you are displaced, looking for work, or looking to help communities that are in need. So online, aureusmedical.com. That is aureusmedical.com. As well as our friends from Owens Recovery Science, they're a single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment and research you need to apply it properly in your clinical practice. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Welcome aboard. This is the PT Pinecast. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Uh, Welcome to PT Pinecast. Next episode of the show starts right now. Uh, This is an interesting one. Came across this on the internet. And of course, I'm I'm a proud member of the American Physical Therapy Association. If this doesn't show you just one small fraction of the many things that you get, leaders doing just that, leading. Uh, the article we're talking about today came out on the APTA website on their blog on Friday, March 27th, and the title and the subject matter so important for physical therapists today, looking for real, valuable, correct information. The title is Thinking About Providing Telehealth. Here's our top 10 to-do list. I think many people come into, where am I right now? What can I be doing? What can I be, what can I be providing as a physical therapist? And they want to know where to start. And I, you know, I, I'm a sucker for a to-do list. So uh, I wanted to make sure we can share this good information and get into it with some telehealth experts and experts on really which way the wind is blowing in terms of regulatory affairs. So we bring in uh, Alan Lee and Kara Gaynor from the APTA. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, Jimmy. Thank you for inviting us. It's such a pleasure to speak to you and work with Kara and also APTA. Yeah, excited. Yeah, to bring- hi, Jimmy. Kara, welcome back to the show as we talk over each other. That's, that means that we're just used to talking with each other. Um, the article really, really does a great job, I think, of going through for people who are out there as a physical therapist, where do I start and uh, what, are the th- what are the things that I don't even know that I don't know yet? So uh, we wanted to go through those and Alan's going to talk about each of the points. Uh, Kara has, has a really, really good angle to come at this, a director of regulatory affairs for the APTA. You know the reasoning behind why things are the way they are. So let, let's go through these. Alan, let's kick it off 
first with kind of a big one, know what's allowed and what's not. I feel like there's a lot of talk and crosstalk online of people thinking they know what's allowed and what's not, but let's hear it from your perspective when we start with number one, what's allowed and what's not. Hey, thanks, Jimmy. I think the, the first thing we need to be mindful of is telehealth is not an overnight success. It's been around a very long time in telemedicine and telerehabilitation and what we call telerehab and telehealth. So as we are in this unique situation, I think we need to be mindful of its history, its research, and its practice. And what it's allowed for physical therapists in this unique time is certain opportunities for us to still reach our patients and clients in the society when we are in shelter in place and at home. So, for example, CMS has allowed physical therapists to have e-visits, which are a little different than what yeah. we would say traditional telehealth visits. How would you separate those? Because that, th- that term is now, both of these terms are coming up a lot. And I think sometimes people flip those around or use one when the other is actually what they're trying to say. So what's the basic explanation of how those things are different? Sure. I'll start with some of the CMS definitions. And Kara, please uh, add to these as well. Uh, CMS states telehealth services should be provided by an interactive audio and video telecommunication system that permits real-time communication between you you, the provider at one site to the Medicare beneficiary at the another, another site. And those are called originating sites and distance sites. So that's telehealth. Okay. Well, for e-visits, we're talking about more non-face-to-face patient-initiated digital communications that require a clinical decision that gotcha. otherwise typically would be provided by office or, you know, where you saw the a healthcare provider. So if you drill down to that, one is more of a real-time audio video visit. Uh, that includes also what we call asynchronous visit, as we've done in the podcast for you in the past. Right. Uh, where the e-visits are more through a portal, like myself. I'm, I'm in a healthcare system where I'm signed up to a portal where I can communicate with the healthcare provider for a quick uh, communication as well as the e-visit. Kara, you want to add to those? Yeah, and I would just explain for the audience that it's important to understand Medicare's use of the term telehealth because, as Alan described, Medicare, CMS, describes Medicare telehealth services as those real-time, face-to-face telehealth services that would typically entail using codes in the 97,000 series, whereas CMS describes e-visits and other forms of care furnished remotely, such as virtual check-ins, remote evaluation of pre-recorded video or images, and telephone assessment and management services as communication technology-based services. And so it's important to kind of recognize the distinction between what Medicare refers to as telehealth, that real-time face-to-face that's billed using your typical CPT code, versus all of these other services that fall under this umbrella term that CMS has come up with which is communication technology-based services that are not typically, well, that are not billed using those CPT codes that you would use to bill for those real-time face-to-face services that Alan just described. 
All right, good distinction right there. So, so going with uh, what's allowed and what's not, I know reviewing your state licensure law and regulations, Alan, we've talked about that both on this podcast uh, and at conferences and in the hallways at, at places like CSM. That, that comes up and, and it has to be high on the list. That's why it's ranked under number one on this APTA blog article. Right. This, this is real important for us to keep in mind. And again, it's not really this, this top 10 list. It really wasn't, I would say, unless Kari can give me some insight from APTA perspective. But uh, all of these points are really, really important and valid. And, you know, but one of the highest priorities I would consider is, you know, checking what FSCPT, you know, they just updated their jurisprudence for PT and PTAs and listed individual state practices and their practice guidance during this COVID situation. Therefore, I think it's real important for you to know what you can and cannot do within individual states. That's perfect. And uh, we'll share the the link to this article in the show notes of this episode. you find it on the APTA blog. Uh, Links available as well for FSBPT, as well as APTA's State Practice Act resources. It's also including that state-mandated health orders and emergency state orders can also change what is and isn't permitted. And I don't think it needs to, to, to be reiterated too much. I think we're living it right now. We all know that things are changing by the minute, by the, by, by the hour, you know, in our current situation. Uh, moving to, uh, to point number two, training your staff. Training your staff with telehealth uh, has to be very, very vital. These are the people who are going to help you implement it, right? Sure, sure. I mean, this is probably what keeps me up at night, mostly, besides, you know, our families and relatives who are near and dear to some of these uh, pandemic areas. But, you know, I think what we should do is instead of worrying, we should be at a point where taking action, you know, helping out, training our staff, being educated by using valid and reliable resources, like you had mentioned, through APTA and others. And, you know, most recently, also reach out to your local communities in terms of how you are serving your patients and uh, clients and reach out to your primary care physicians and others who are also struggling and see if they need help with their uh, patients in terms of musculoskeletal need via telehealth. More resources from the American Physical Therapy Association, uh, along with training your staff, webinars, implementing telehealth in your practice. That was recorded on March 26th, so that's pretty current. Digital health practice, connect for best practices, as well as uh, a live Q&A. So some resources there as well from the APTA on training your staff and how to utilize that human resource. Let's go to the other side of the uh, PT practice, educating your patients on their privacy and rights as we uh, as we navigate learning how to meet online, we see a lot of issues with communicating securely over the internet. Where where does this come up in telehealth with you, Alan? What do you want to make sure that people know? Yeah, I think as a practitioner, first and foremost, you want to know about you know privacy and security concerns. The HPA technology stick has developed a matrix to kind of have a look at different types of uh, telehealth portals, uh, which will provide you with that you know, protection, the privacy for your patients uh, in terms of also security checks in terms of a business associate agreement. But foremost, I think for your patients and clients, they're fearful, right? We're all fearful of how this pandemic is turning out. So we need to make sure that we provide common guidelines and also safety regarding this situation with informed consent that patients can have telehealth visits, but also when this crisis is over that we need to have those patients check in in our in-office visits. So being mindful of that, as well as some seniors are very worried about using some type of digital portal 
when they don't have the training. It's not right. just training our staff, but making sure our patients are comfortable using the technology. Therefore, we need to be mindful of those concerns. Kara, Kara, you want to add to those? I was going to say, Carol's got I'm two sorry. letters after her name, JD, so I'm sure privacy and rights <laughs> is, is something that she's, she's ready to talk about. I would just add to what Alan said in that, first of all, it's important to understand if your state law does, in fact, require informed consent. And informed consent is used to explain what telehealth is. It is obviously used to explain the expected benefits as well as the possible risks associated with it to the patient and the security measures that you'll have in place. And so it's important to check state law. Most states do require some form of consent by the patient. And APTA is actually working on a consent checklist that we'll be making available on our APTA telehealth webpage to help kind of walk through what you'll need to include in a consent form, obviously in accordance with state law. So I cannot emphasize enough ensuring compliance with state law. It goes back to your state licensure law. Always keep in mind and state law is very important to adhere to, understand, check frequently for updates, particularly in light of COVID-19 and all of the changes occurring because getting that prior written or verbal informed consent for any sort of telehealth service is a critical and vital tool to your success. Yeah, I figured you'd have some uh, some thoughts on that one. Uh, link in the article as well listed by the APTA for the Center for Connected Health Policy Resources. And that's really what this is. And what you get with your membership is resources. Number four, I guess really reiterating number three again, take privacy seriously and understand how it's affected by technology. Really, this this just, just underlines the education on privacy and rights uh, and the integration in technology. Right, Jimmy. I think it's important for us to not only think about our what our individual state practice acts and individual states are allowed think, physical therapists to um, do with telehealth practice. But privacy here, I always think about the user, right? End-to-end user for patients as well. So, you know, earlier we talked about training our staff. We need to train our patients to be mindful of their environment and how they secure their uh, technologies, if they're going to use their laptop or their iPad for telehealth services, how they should be encrypted, as well as there might be some HIPAA guidance when we uh, send a link to the patient. So it is a really valid and reliable service versus some types of telemarketing services may not right. have some of those safeguards, right? And so I think that's important to consider. And then I was going to kind of pass it to Cara about what she would think about some of the VPN, some of the free services that might have issues sneak up. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, first I'll note that because we are recording this podcast during this public health emergency, I first want to note that it is true that the HHS Office for Civil Rights has announced that it is going to be exercising enforcement discretion and not impose penalties for noncompliance mm-hmm. with the regulatory requirements under HIPAA in connection with the good faith provision of telehealth during the nationwide public health emergency. Now, that said, this is in relation to HHS, a.k.a. federal government enforcement of HIPAA requirements. State law, many states have more stringent requirements than what the federal government requires, and I actually haven't heard of any states that have been waiving HIPAA requirements, although possibly they have, and Alan, maybe you know more about that. So I would just emphasize that while you may be hearing about how 
HIPAA does not apply during this public health emergency, you have to keep in mind that there is the federal government that is exercising enforcement discretion over HIPAA, but then there is state law that you still would need to comply with. And even though HHS, from the federal government perspective, is not enforcing HIPAA requirements at this time, this is only for a temporary period of time. Mm -hmm. And APTA always recommends, you know, uh, obtaining uh, technology that is HIPAA compliant and that you work with technology vendors that are HIPAA compliant and enter into HIPAA business associate agreements in connection with the provision of their use of that technology. And APTA's HPA, the Catalyst Tech SIG, and the first council members actually have developed a matrix that identifies some interactive audio and visual telecommunications vendors that do offer HIPAA as well as non-HIPAA compliant products. And so from APTA's perspective, we do always recommend securing technology that is HIPAA compliant, although recognizing that in light of COVID-19, there is some flexibility with that at this time, but that is temporary at best. And so it's always important to try to use a secure platform as well as not using free public Wi-Fi. You want to use a secure network such as via a VPN, as Alan mentioned. Yeah. Sensing some themes here, which is, you know, know the rules and things are changing, but be aware. You, it, 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 the onus is on you to make sure you know what's being allowed. What were we going to say, Alan? What I was going to add to that was, you know, what I've heard recently, because there's so much information out there, as well as misinformation. Yeah. You know, we need to be mindful of practicing at our highest level of our license. And that means that we need to be mindful of uh, how best practices are done at the highest level, but yeah. not at the lowest level. Yeah. Uh, halfway through, and now we get to a, a topic that uh, comes up pretty frequently uh, with telehealth is documentation. Document, 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 just like always. Where does this come in in telehealth with you, Alan? What do you typically suggest to people who are just uh, getting into the practice? Sure. This area, I would think of it as always think of telehealth as a tool. It's just the technology. So the way you document does not change the way you practice. So you have to think about your scope of, your scope of practice and you document very, very well, especially during this emergency time regarding what you're doing and how you're doing it and how you're going to get, you know, working with payments and, and third-party payers to get what you're doing correctly paid for. Therefore, I need to think about what the individual states require for documentation via telehealth because some states will have specific language around this. So you need to, again, go back to what Kara had said earlier. Look at your state practice acts and documentation and use of telehealth is really just a tool that you need to be mindful of best practices and documentation, such as the resources listed on here. Yep. APTA's Defensible Documentation Resources also in this list. I love this thing. Uh, halfway done now. When it comes to payment now, you know what happens when you assume. So assume nothing with telehealth payment, right? Right. Daily, it's really changing. I've been leaning on APTA payment experts, such as uh, you know Cara here, as well as uh, Alex Bell and others, because it's really different between commercial payers and institutional pairs. So I think I'm going to lean on Kara again to speak to this topic. Yes. So assume nothing. Always verify with every single payer. Verify with payers and or APTA for the latest information because there are there is a lot of misinformation yeah. being 
shared via social media. And it's always important to verify the source, ask for a citation. And if it's not clear, then please do not uh, assume anything. And yeah. so it's, it's important to recognize, obviously, you have Medicare, traditional Medicare fee-for-service. Then there's Medicare Advantage, which is administered by private payers. So they have their own policies. And then you have uh, just commercial payers who are not administering Medicare, but obviously are administering commercial plans that may have separate policies from what they've established for Medicare Advantage. And then you also have workers' compensation. And then you have Medicaid fee-for-service, which is administered by the state. And then you have Medicaid managed care organizations. So it's a patchwork of numerous plans, all who may have different policies, which is why on the top 10 telehealth list, we try to emphasize verifying with every single payer what is or is not permitted. Yeah. And we also develop some questions for you to follow when you reach out to payers to verify what is or is not covered or allowed, because this is such a common theme of, I have to go and ask each payer and I and this kind of gives you a guide of what those questions are that you should ask, and of course that you should obtain it the answers in writing. Yeah, this this just goes to show that um, you might be asking a question, you might get an answer, but both parties might be talking about something completely different. So, as you mentioned, the APTA does have a guide, literally titled "Asking the Right Questions About Telehealth," and that is also linked in the article we're discussing right now. Just guidance on specifically what you need to ask to make sure you're getting the right answers. Because again, assume nothing. Moving to number seven, making sure your malpractice insurance covers telehealth. Just because you have malpractice insurance in the fine print, is it covering you here? That's got to be really important. And I don't know if I would have thought of that in my top 10. Yeah, this one really I leaned on from you know listening to other experts like Cara and some of the legal advice that I was given at American Telemedicine Association and APTA. And again, if you think about malpractice, you know, working in an institution where I practice, they do provide me with some umbrella coverage, but I individually might want to have additional coverage if I'm getting into areas of telehealth and new practices. So it's really a team sport institutionally as well as as a private practice individual. If you're going to open a private practice that is brick and mortar, you would definitely have malpractice coverage. So therefore, you need to be mindful of this as well. And and there's some resources at the end of this top 10 list, such as Ipso and others, that you need to check with, verify, and get documented as well. Yeah, making sure. And again, this is more of asking the right questions. APTA has a risk management resource as well, as, as you just mentioned in, in the uh, the resources section of this this article. Malpractice insurance, Kara, this, this kind of covers exactly what we just talked about with payment, which is assume nothing, right? Correct. Always check with your malpractice insurance carrier for any covered policies specific to telehealth and related services prior to providing physical therapy using these modalities. And it just, I just, again, want to reiterate before providing telehealth, always consult your state practice act, state law and individual payers for other requirements. So cannot stress that enough. Assume nothing, always verify in writing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know is not a good defense. Uh, three left on the top 10 list for telehealth. Number eight, understand that your ethical responsibilities do not change when delivering services via telehealth. Ethics need to be on the forefront, Alan. And right on, Jimmy. I mean, you can look at this uh, 
recommendation and some of the key statements and learning center resources and websites posted there. But let's track back to when APTA was really involved with a partnership with Choosing Wisely campaign with Mm -hmm. American Board of Internal Medicine. And if you look at some of the things on physical therapy, Choosing Wisely on do's and don'ts on that list of top five, you consider that and now we're moving into telehealth. You want to be mindful of your ethical responsibilities for your patients and your clients that you're seeing via telehealth. So I think this is where I I also would kind of chime in with not only um, legal, but also your ethical champions in your practice and lean on them. Telehealth is truly a team effort. Yeah, ethics and telehealth, another resource from the APTA, as well as a, a free learning center webinar that discusses exactly what you need to know to ensure compliance with the regulations established by HIPAA and the APTA Code of Ethics when using telehealth. That needs to be on the forefront uh, as well. Looking at number nine, staying connected with your peers in telehealth. Now, we have a lot of connection via social media, but we want to focus on the people who are in the know. So we lead off with the recommendation from this article, which is APTA's first council, Frontiers in Rehabilitation Science and Technology. Alan, you've got some experience there. Sure. I've been very lucky to work with some of the expertise and leaders in what we call the first council. And again, looking back at the history, back in 2009, APTA put together a a past summit where the leaders like Dr. Steve Wolf, Colleen Keegan, and Mary Rogers put together a society summit to look at the future. And that's where the first council developed uh, were born from some of the key areas of technology and we have science, including genomics. We have regenerative medicine, robotics and sensors, imaging, as well as telehealth. And this council has been kind of working together in terms of looking at technology interface with practice, research and education. And each year at CSM and national conferences, they meet to, again, provide advice and practice and research areas for telehealth. And I believe we have a, a listserv that's very active besides social media where mm-hmm. you should be involved with and you can join through APTA. Yeah, these are the people who've been talking about uh, telehealth on the forefront. Uh, Many of them have been talking about it for a very, very long time. So these are your peers uh, in your profession. Make sure you can contact them there. And again, that's Frontiers in Rehabilitation Science and Technology First Council. The link to their website available in this article. Last but certainly not least, and we see a lot of these things on social media in terms of petitions, the focus is advocate advocating for the use of telehealth and hopefully we can change some minds in terms of payment. Carol, let's have you talk about this one. Why the importance of advocating for telehealth and its use is so important right now. Thanks, Jimmy. This is my favorite topic. (laughs) So it's important to always remember how critical your individual voice is because there is strength in numbers. And as your audience I'm sure knows APTA is always advocating to Congress or the federal agencies like CMS, which administers Medicare, on behalf of the physical therapy profession as a whole. But it is those individual voices that complement what APTA's advocacy messaging might be. And, And that's where you really influence change because it's the policymakers who hear directly from those who are being impacted by the proposed policies, having the feedback directly from those impacted is what makes a difference in changing a policy, halting a policy, or whatever it may be. In fact, maybe proposing a new policy. So, for example, when it comes to telehealth, as we've seen 
Medicare has not yet added therapists as telehealth providers under Medicare during this public health emergency. And that's why I've been really vocal about individuals using their voice to let CMS know how important it is that they take immediate action to add therapists as telehealth providers. Because if they only are hearing it from APTA and the other therapy associations, that's one thing and they can blow us off for for a while. But if they hear from thousands and thousands of therapists as well as their patients, that's meaningful and that makes CMS pay attention and other policymakers. That makes them stand up, pay attention and realize, okay, we need to implement this. Look at how many people have reached out to us and have expressed the importance of a change in policy. So, and that applies across various topics. Telehealth is just one of many advocacy topics, but obviously it's the topic of today and particularly in light of COVID-19. So we do encourage CTs, PTAs, and students, as well as their patients, as well as family and friends, to provide individual feedback on issues that affect them because it is their voice that effectively change. Yeah, and uh, the links available on this uh, this article, and we've heard before, exactly how do you do that? The APTA has resources to get you from nodding along to Kara here and saying, okay, yeah, you've got me, you sold me, I'll, I'll lend my voice to my colleagues, but what do I do and what are the different ways I can do it? The APTA has those, uh, those listed for you. Guys, that was your top 10 list. I thought it was pretty comprehensive. We will mention for the audience more telehealth resources for physical therapists and physical therapist assistants at the bottom of this. Information for you to take in. And as well, if you're a member of the American Physical Therapy Association, you can reach out to the association and get really, really specific information that's going to affect you and your practice. Closing remarks, Alan, Kara, anything you guys want to say to the audience of physical therapists out there who are now very much paying attention to telehealth as they go forward and put these uh, these 10 tips into practice. Sure, Jenny, again, thank you for your service and thank you for uh, inviting us today. I think these are extreme times in our society and economy, healthcare and politics as well. I believe some of our saving grace and silver lining in this moment is really looking at our local community, how physical therapists are, again, advocating for their patients and their providers. Uh, I'm seeing physical therapists and PT assistants getting involved with innovative practices, including telehealth and e-visits and doing it the right way. And I'm very proud of our association supporting us in that uh, effort. So thank you so much and please stay well. You too as well, Alan. Uh, Kara, how do you want to wrap it up with your parting thoughts here for the audience as they go forth and uh, pay attention to these tips? So first I'll say, I'll reiterate exactly what Alan said. Thank you so much. I am so in awe and appreciative of everything everyone is doing, especially in light of COVID-19. My parting thought is just before you begin providing services via telehealth, consider consider federal and state legislation and regulations that govern your practice, risk management implications, understand the billing and coding requirements of each payer, and any technology or hardware requirements and the associated HIPAA requirements as well. And that APTA continues to update its resources on the APTA telehealth page, www.apta.org slash telehealth. So please do continue to check there for the latest information. And any questions can always be sent to APTA at advocacy at APTA.org. Excellent, Kara. Yeah, the value of membership cannot be reiterated, reiterated on a normal day. And under these circumstances, uh, even more, the, the value of community and connectedness and information 
within your profession with the APTA and what that brings you. Membership, really, really important these days. So Kara, Alan, appreciate your time. Be well, and we'll talk again soon. And uh, hopefully we can do this in person as soon as possible. Thank you. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com. Do you want to improve your skills as an orthopedic physical therapist? Do you want to practice at the top of your profession? Have you ever thought about earning your orthopedic clinical specialist certification? Well, imagine how great it would feel to go into the OCS examination feeling confident and prepared that you'll pass on your first attempt. If you were given a plan that was simple to follow, if you were given lessons that were easy to understand, and you were given sample tests that sharpened your skills. However you're comfortable studying, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy's current concepts course can make you more prepared and confident for the OCS examination. But it can't help you unless you take the first step and make the investment, and today is your chance. Go to orthopt.org and take the current concepts course from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. That's orthopt.org and the current concepts course from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. This is the PT Pinecast. New Step created the first product of its kind 25 years ago. That was the New Step Recumbent Cross Trainer. Now it's a mainstay in rehab with physical therapists worldwide. New Step now continues its tradition of innovation with the New Step Transit, another innovation in recumbent cross trainers for physical therapists, delivering real-time biofeedback with this piece of equipment, letting you use it in meaningful ways for awareness of physical performance, uh, goals, identifying and correcting deficits or imbalances. Take a test drive or find out more at newstep.com. That's N-U-Step.com. Online at newstep.com. This is the PT Pinecast. Rock Tape, helping you get your patients stronger, longer. Find them online at rocktape.com slash medical. More than just a kinesiology tape company, they are a movement company giving you the classes, the tools, the education, the research to get your patients moving stronger, longer. Find them online at rocktape.com slash medical. That is rocktape.com slash medical. This is the PT Pinecast. If you're looking for education past your physical therapy degree, look no further than Brooks IHL. That's Brooks Rehabilitation Institute of Higher Learning. You can find out more at brooksihl.com org continuing education along with residencies and fellowships residencies in orthopedics geriatrics women's health neurologic pt pediatrics sports and a fellowship opportunity as well so look into it if you're looking to expand your knowledge base brooksihl.org our home on the internet ptpinecast.com created by build pt Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting, providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com.